Welcome back to Crimes from the East. Today we have with us Katie. Hey, Katie. Thanks for having me back again. Always a pleasure. Fun fact, I recently shared like the, oh, July 30th birthday fact (laughs) with um, my doctor and they were like, it was your birthday recently. And I was like, let me tell you my list of birthday facts. (laughs) Were they amused? They were. They were like, that's a lot of stuff. Tell them about all the syphilis going around in the 1800s. I did. I was like, and I was recently on my friend's podcast. <laughs> and let me tell you what happened <laughs> on my birthday. I didn't tell them the whole thing. I was like, you should check it out. And they were like, okay. <laughs> but like, That was awesome. I always overshare with doctors. I overshare with everyone, to be that's honest. That's the way to live, I, I feel. Right? Why be so stingy with information? Yeah. Just give it out. Yeah. I wish Alex could have joined us, but she's traveling all across North America at this point. I think she went up to like, went through Arizona, Utah, Yellowstone, Portland. She's all over the place. What? Yeah. She went through Arizona and didn't say hi to me. We could have met in person. She's going to be back to Arizona soon. We should meet up. For sure. Yeah. I'll I'll message her. Yeah. Send you UFO photos. Be like, ah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I wish we could all three of us meet at some point, but we just, we live in like three corners. So far away, yeah. Right now, yeah. Well, are you curious about what we're talking? I am. We're talking about today. I am very curious. It is true crime. It is true blue, true crime. And it's kind of a sad story, but also very like conniving and sly and devious. And it makes you a little mad. Um, and you feel frustrated, but I guess that's the case with all crime, isn't it? There's nothing pleasant about crime. I have a meeting directly following this, and I have to talk about graphics, and you're Uh-oh. going to make me angry and, like, yes. worked up, and I'm going to yes. go to this meeting, and they're going to be like, whoa, why are you so upset? I'm be like, you don't even know what I've been through. It's a roller coaster. Okay, tell me. Let's do it. Yes. So today we're talking about a very famous case from India. And this one was covered so heavily in the media. When this came on TV and it was all over the news. And so no matter what time of day you turned on any channel, this is all you would see the whole day, every day. You know how like the O.J. Simpson trial and... So you have like firsthand account of this. This is like, you were like, I was alive. This I was like, alive oh, then. 80 years ago. No, oh no, gosh. no. For once, Katie, you're getting a case from the 2000s. This is not 1900s or 1800s. So. What? The case is that of the Sheena Bora murder. I've titled this episode as Blood Thinner Than Water. So that would give what? you a little clue about what kind of crime this is. So let's start with... The skeletal remains being discovered. May 23rd, 2012 was a hot and humid day in Maharashtra, India. Now, is that northern part or southern part of India? Um, that is the Midwest. Okay. All right. So Ganesh Dhene was driving on the lonely road through the thick Pane National Forest area of Raigad, Maharashtra. Forested area, not too many people... I mean, there is a main road that goes through it. So there's a lot of thoroughfare traffic that's going from one place to the next, but no one stops. He stopped to relieve himself behind some trees. 
Because there's no bathrooms there. <laughs> this is what you do. Relieve himself. Yeah. This is like every time we talk, I swear you get like more proper with your bathroom language. <laughs> it's like to relieve himself. So as he walked further behind the trees, he spotted some ripe mangoes on the ground. And as you know, we Indians, we just love our mangoes. And if you ever eat mangoes, by the way, Indian mangoes, you'll know why. Because they are delicious. They are manna from the heavens, I tell you. And, and it's not like the mangoes you get in America, okay? The stuff you get here tastes like potatoes compared to what you get in India. I'm only laughing because on two separate occasions, I've been at an Indian restaurant and they've asked me if I wanted like mango lassi. And I'm like, no, thank you. I don't like mangoes. And they're like, no, you're going to get we're going to give you one because you'll like this. And I'm like, but I don't like mangoes. And they're like, no, 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 no. you're going to like this. So on you're two gonna separate like occasions, it. I've gotten two free mango. Yeah, mango drinks. And um, I didn't. I didn't like it because I don't oh, like mangoes. No. But I'm oh, just no. like... <laughs> So you being like, we love mangoes, I'm like, that checks out. That checks out with my limited exposure mm-hmm. here. You broke their heart with that, uh, Katie, by saying you don't like mangoes. Oh, my God. Blasphemous. I did. But you know what? Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> I wasn't going to lie to him. I wasn't going to be like, yes, it's delicious, and then not yeah. drink it. I was like, I tried it, but I don't like mangoes. And he was like, I'm so upset. So shout out to the Indian restaurant and the bottom of High Street in Morgantown, West Virginia, because he, he tried. tried. He tried very he hard. Tried. And, it, and you know what? If, if you fault. are actually in India and getting to eat, you know, the Alfonso, the Kesari and Totapuri and all those kinds, there's like tons of varieties. Those mangoes, if you eat that and tell me I don't like it, then OK, I'll believe you. I don't doubt it. Didn't like bananas until I went to the Philippines. Because the bananas in the Philippines were so good. Oh, they were so good. Mm-hmm. So fruits in North America are stupid. Anyways. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. So he he stopped to relieve himself and he found mangoes on the, on the ground and was like, I'm going to eat those mangoes on the ground. And so just like Hansel and Gretel, he started following the trail of mangoes down into a ravine at the bottom of a steep embankment. Okay, so he's like, oh, mangoes, mangoes. And then he started smelling something unpleasant in the air. He peered down and to his horror, looking back at him, were burnt skeletal remains of someone who once had hopes and dreams, excitement for the future, and an eagerness to bury a dark and desolate past. That is. But they now lay there alone, unceremoniously forgotten and discarded like an unwanted burden. Who had done this? Who had so mercilessly murdered 25-year-old Sheena Bora? 25 is so young. And today we talk about the web of complicated relationships, pathological deceit, and an unquenchable greed for fame and money that led to the horrific murder of Sheena Bora. So, that's the case. 25 is so young. That's just like so, so young. young. Yeah, you've never, you haven't really experienced the world, especially in India, because you're babied by your parents. Um, but that's not the case for Sheena, as you will see. So let's talk about Sheena and her upbringing. Sheena grew up in the crisp, clean mountain air of Guwahati, which is to the northeast of India. 
Guwahati is called okay. the gateway to Northeast India. And it is a bustling mid-sized city in the state of Assam. Assam is a hilly mountainous state where they have tons of tea estates and rice fields and stuff. So it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. They get some of the highest rainfall in the country as well. Ah, interesting. They are surrounded by sheer natural beauty. So located within Guwahati is an ancient Shakti temple of goddess Kamakya or Makali. And if you've heard our earlier episodes, we always kind of, you know, we get charged up when we talk about Makali because she's like, you know, the female energy avatar as such. And even if you're not really religious, like I'm not religious, but I kind of identify with that. It's just a celebration of yeah. female energy and female power. Shakti is the primordial cosmic energy, but this avatar is the personification of energy that is creative, sustaining, but paradoxically also a bringer of destruction. It's a little foreshadowing for what's to come. Sometimes to get creative, you got to destroy some things. Yeah, power is uh, power. It can go either ways. Sheena Bora and her younger brother Mikhail were raised in the suburbs of Sundarpur, Guwahati by their maternal grandmother Durga Rani and grandfather Upendra Kumar Bora. Young Sheena did not remember much about her mother, Indrani, who had abandoned her children and seemingly disappeared to seek a different life for herself. Aww. Now, Sheena and Mikhail's father, Siddharth Das, had attempted to contact the children a few times, but owing to the guilt of not being able to provide for them and the reality of having created another family of his own, he was kind of distant and a non-entity in their lives. Mm. Although they didn't hate him, but they understood his position. Right. The children grew up lonely, seeking validation and wanting for all the ups and downs that usually came with a normal life that they saw their peers having, but they didn't have. Now, friends of Sheena fondly remember that she was humble and down to earth and was very friendly and eager to be part of any group at school. She did well in academics and was liked by all the teachers. So by all accounts, she was a good student and an affable individual who had the potential to flourish given the right circumstances and opportunities. Now, along with the whispers and rumors in society, because this is India after all. Um, I hate to break this to you. There are whispers and rumors everywhere. True. It doesn't matter if you're in like Brook County, West Virginia, or in India, there's going to be whispers and rumors. Absolutely. I don't know about what's going on right now in India since I don't live there, but I know that 20, 30 years ago, any family that had, you know, like a missing parent or um, separated parents, oh, yeah. there was always talk and rumor and people looked upon them suspiciously. So there was a lot of stigma mm -hmm. associated with things like that for no fault of theirs, by the way. Right. The dejection and abandonment by their mother was a constant presence in their lives. So in her teens, Sheena grew increasingly miserable and depressed. And there's a February 2003 excerpt from her diary, which reads, Oh, happy birthday to me, but I am not happy. It seems as if I have got nothing in my life. Nothing. My future seems very pale to me. Just depression has encircled me from all sides. 
Life is disgusting. I hate my mother. She is not a mother. She is a witch. Aww. And now that she has got married with this old man, I hate her. I wish her soul gets condemned, not even in hell. So her mom left her and her siblings. Her mom left her yeah. and then got remarried. Yeah, we're going to go through her mom's story because unfortunately, she kind of takes the main stage in this story, although it should be all about Sheena. But you can see the the sadness, the misery and the hate, the anger, the rage that Sheena had inside of her because because of how she had been abandoned. So one day when the teenagers were 18 and 16 year old, there was a sensational buzz about town that their mother Indrani was in the newspaper. What? Okay, hold on. How big is this town? So Guwahati is a mid-sized city, so it's pretty big. It's not a small town at all. It's a big city. So they're in this city and people are like, ooh, like they it still got back to them that their mom was in the paper? So she's not in Guwahati. The mom's not in Guwahati. Oh my gosh, she got back to them and the mom's not even there? What? No, no, no. That's why, because this is big news. They saw yeah. a wedding announcement for their mom Indrani and a hotshot media mogul. And this was a total shock to all of them because she hadn't told them about this. So Sheena's grandparents immediately found a way to get in touch with Indrani and to let her know that they were struggling to pay for their children's higher education. They insisted that Indrani take care of her children's expenses and education now that she seems to be capable of supporting them. Yeah. Right? Now that she's in the papers. She's in the papers like it's a big right? deal to be on, on the front page of or the whatever, page three of the newspaper. No, if you can, if you now have the means to take care of your kids, take care of your kids. Mm-hmm. And so Sheena and Mikhail left their safe circle of friends and family and flew into the unknown embrace of their barely part-time mother, Indrani Mukherjee. Did, like, she know they were coming? Was it planned, or were they just like, surprise? She planned it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The grandparents contacted the mom and said, get your kids, take care of them. And she sent tickets and said, all right. And she was like, okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So let's get into Indrani's backstory. Now, the details of Indrani's early life are debatable, dubious, and unclear, just as she likes it to be. Now, she has spun a million tales about her origins that I found impossible to double down on. Like, I, I couldn't figure out which version of the truth is the truth. Now, that is exactly what she intended to create confusion so that she could sell whatever version of story favored her situation, like favored her perspective. At the time? At the time. I could get that. I could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So if one version is to be believed, Upendra Kumar and Durga Rani Bora, her parents, Indrani's parents, had an unhappy marriage and Indrani had a miserable childhood. She said that she was kept locked up at home and her father would often get drunk and beat her with a belt and whatnot. Oh, that's sad. If a different version is to be believed, Indrani was a very pampered child and her parents indulged in her every whim, buying her whatever she needed or wanted. She was extremely outgoing and a social hmm. butterfly who grew into an arrogant and vain teenager. 
So this is coming from all the other people in her life. So all the neighbors, the relatives, this is their version. And her version has her locked up at home and beat up. Yeah, but like neighbors and relatives don't always know what's actually going on at home. That's true. Some kids are abused and then they try to project this like perfect Mm -hmm. life because they don't want people to know. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We don't know if it was either of the two or a combination of both versions. Yeah, it could be a combination. Yeah. Now, whichever version you choose to believe, the next part seems to be consistent. In an act of teenage rebellion, desperate to break free from the mundane small town life, she ran away with the family driver. Ooh, drama. But she was quickly caught at the train station and brought back home. After that, she was put in a school, residential school, in the neighboring city of Shillong, where she had to stay in the school's hostel with other kids. So she wasn't at home. Now, this was the first time she tasted freedom. She dated many young men, one of whom was the dashing young man Siddharth Das, or Sid, who captured the heart of a young and impressionable Indrani. In 1987, at the age of 16, she came home to her parents with Sid in tow. So she's 16. She has a new boyfriend, Sid. And she declared to them that, hey, we are now married and we are expecting our first child. Oh, my gosh. At 16? Yeah. How old was Sid? He was probably one or two years elder to her. Oh, my gosh. Married and has a baby. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. Continue. Basically, she got pregnant. And they kind of got married, you know, they do that in India, like you just... Yeah, 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 the shotgun wedding, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, shotgun wedding. Indrani's parents had no choice but to let the couple stay with them, as a young unwed minor with a child would not be well-received in a conservative Indian society on her own. Well, anywhere, for that matter. Mm-mm. In the next couple years, Mikhail, their second child, was also born... And soon the couple's troubles began. Sid's professional career never took off and he was unemployed. Indrani was greatly disappointed and suddenly saddled with the responsibility of two small children. She seemed to be full of regret. Mm. By 1990, which so it's three years since she came back from her school, the two were totally at odds and this cold-hearted mother packed up and left for Kolkata a big metro city, effectively erasing her past and conveniently discarding her two innocent children. So she left her kids and her husband with her parents and just peaced out. Oh my gosh. Okay. And she was, I think at this point, maybe 19 or 20. Man. All she could think about was her next move upwards into the social circles of Kolkata's elite try to make her way through life, uh, living all by yourself in Kolkata, a huge city, by the way, is not easy. So props to her for even daring to do this. In 1993, she had started to work as an HR agent and made her way up into the periphery of high society. She would frequent the old established social clubs in Kolkata, like, you know, tennis clubs and cricket clubs and whatever, places where old rich people go to drink and you know parlor games well yeah she had a plan she was hunting to go up like she had a plan she would go to these clubs to network for professional and personal connections she met a rising businessman Sanjay Kanna 
at the CC and FC club, which is a Kolkata cricket and something club, okay? Um, sweeping him off his feet so swiftly that they were married the year they met in March. My gosh. Through Kanna, Indrani had access to the rich and famous of the upmarket neighborhoods of Kolkata. She started her own HR business, INX Services, and it flourished because she had access to all these entrepreneurs and big businessmen now. Her dreams of climbing up the social ladder were becoming a reality. She was partying with rich corporate honchos and wives of bureaucrats, diplomats, and the likes of, you know, the upper echelons. Indrani gave birth to her second daughter and third child, Vidhi, with Sanjay Khanna. In 1997. But unlike Sheena and Mikhail, Vidhi was very much wanted and adored by Indrani. She showered Vidhi with affection and attention and fulfilled her every wish. She was a mother in all aspects to this child and a total hollow stranger to her first two children who she had not met since 1990. That is so hard. Now, by 2001, so this is a decade later, a decade later, by 2001, Indrani had her fill of Kolkata. She was bored and she looked forward to her next conquest, India's maximum city, Mumbai. (laughs) So she moved to Mumbai. Yeah. Yeah, we're back to Mumbai. She moved to Mumbai and set up a branch of her HR agency, INX Services. And again, started to network hard to secure more contracts for her firm. So what do you think of Indrani so far? I mean, she's a bad parent. She got into something when she was a kid and she wasn't ready for it. And this is why you should use protection and, you know, birth control and all that. But um, question. So she had gotten divorced, right? From the first guy, the very first guy? I don't think so. I don't think their marriage was ever legal, legal anyway. Oh, okay. I was going to say, so she was double married. That's illegal. Uh, Did she divorce the second guy before she left for Mumbai or did she or did he go with her? She was kind of separated from him. And maybe Mumbai was one way of Ah. physically putting in that separation between the two of them. Right. Remember, she still needed his support and help. Uh, Plus, she now had a kid with him. So she was Stringing Mm. him along until she found the next best thing. Because you have to have one foot out the door, not both, before you have a place to jump into. Right? Mm. I was going to say, like, I thought she was happy with him. I thought, like, she she was happy with the kids. She was happy with him. I thought everything was good. I don't think she would have been happy with him because he was just a step in the ladder that she was trying to climb. Ah. She may have loved her daughter for sure, but Got she it. was bored with him because he he probably hit the limit of what he could do for her. So she's like, I got to go to a bigger city, Mumbai. And that's where she headed. Gosh. Once she m- moved to Mumbai and started networking hard to secure more contacts, she started going out to the social scene and meeting people. And on one such social outing, by complete chance, she happened to meet Peter Mukherjee. He was the CEO of the media giant Star TV India, which was an arm of Star TV Hong Kong. Star TV was huge in India back in the 1990s. That was the first cable channel that came to India. Before Star TV, we didn't really have that much cable. We had maybe one other network called Z, 
And Star TV is the one that brought us all the international content. ZTV was an Indian uh, network, so they made mm. Indian shows. But Star TV brought Batman, Santa Barbara, The Bold and the Beautiful, <laughs> Degrassi Jr. Hi. Oh my gosh, Degrassi. Yeah, Star Trek. So this is the stuff they brought to India. This is what I grew up watching. Yeah. So it was pretty big. It was pretty big. That's where I kind of learned the American accent from. I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, um, but I think I was 11 or something when we got Star TV. And I used to watch it like three hours a day and started talking in an American accent. My dad would, would be so mad. He's like, stop talking like that. But yeah, that's how uh, my sister and me learned the American accent from Star TV. So, okay. So Peter was the CEO of this huge network, like TV network. And Indrani had stars in her eyes when she found herself sitting next to such a prominent media executive who had all of Mumbai in his palms, someone who could open any corporate door with ease. Plus, he was a regular on page three as an outgoing social personality, and he was seen in all the elite parties mm. and gatherings and stuff. So he was the perfect combination for Indrani's next conquest. Now, I want to pause here and say that nothing about people moving up in life is intrinsically wrong. Like, Indrani worked hard and she focused on goal-oriented moves only and props to her. She's not doing anything illegal, you know? It's not illegal to be a gold digger of sorts. It's totally fine. If you're good at it, you know, you do you. It's also not, like, it's not illegal to network or try and be an entrepreneur and build your business or be like, okay, where can I meet people who would be good for my business? Like, that's just smart business practices. Oh, yeah, she sounds like a great business person. It's just the negativity comes in how she's treating those relationships. Yes, exactly. Um, it's almost like a sociopathic drive to get what you want at the expense of emotions and people. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Um, so like I said, nothing wrong with doing what she's doing. However, <laughs> the actions of her past and those that are coming up in her future erase any chance of redemption or sympathy for our story's dark-hearted villainess, Indrani. Indrani and Peter were both in the process of divorcing their spouses, and as soon as it was mm -hmm. legally possible, they were married in 2002. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Indrani moved into Peter's home in Marlow, or Worli, Mumbai, and brought her daughter Vidhi to live there as well. Now, Peter even agreed to legally adopt Vidhi, which is very strange, given that her biological father, Sanjay, is still alive and able to provide for her. But Indrani threatened Sanjay with a false charge of, you know, demand for dowry if he didn't agree to the adoption. So, as always, he gave in. Now, oh. this is for property, by the way, if you're wondering why. So if Peter adopts Vidhi, she will now be part of his inheritance. Right. Yeah. That was why she had that done, which is so shitty. Like, it is. Shady. So shady. Yeah. Peter was truly head over heels in love with this beautiful Indrani who was 30 and 17 years younger than the 48-year-old Peter. 
Now, they would always be seen holding hands and hugging each other, you know, a couple of lovebirds who could not stay apart even for a day. How could someone who apparently had so much love and affection for one daughter and her new husband have absolutely no thought or feeling for two lost children struggling to make sense of their lonely lives back in Guwahati? Well, I mean, it could be from my armchair psychologist over here, Mm. it could be that she had such deep regret and shame over what she did for those two kids that the only way she could process it would be to pretend they did not exist. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Oh, is it fair? Absolutely not. Is it something people do? Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Plus, no one sees themselves as the villain. No one is like, oh, what I'm doing wrong. Everyone justifies their own actions. Do you think she blamed her parents in that sense that you are the ones who kind of pushed me to do this and I ended up with two kids and so now you take care of it, go to hell? Do you think that's what she did, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she probably does. She probably does blame other people. Indrani never disclosed her past, including the truth about her two children, to anyone outside of Guwahati. So Peter didn't know she had two other kids? No, not even to her ex-husband, <gasps> Sanjay. Didn't know either? No, what? no one knew. Oh, my gosh. Can you compartmentalize your life to this degree? Like you face your past as if it never happened? Oh, yeah. People can absolutely do that. But family is flesh and blood, isn't it? Yeah, but not to everyone. There are tons of people who can compartmentalize like that. Well, she was definitely one of them. So there was an unhappy reunion in 2006 when, remember we talked about earlier when the kids were flown over to meet Indrani? Once the news of her wedding was made public. Yes. Indrani flew her two forgotten children to Mumbai when her own parents insisted that she take care of them now. Now that she was rich and famous and had the means to take care of them, as she should. How would one greet their own kith and kin after nearly a decade of distance? You'd imagine that there would be tears and embraces and lots of warm, happy moments. Oh, I do not envision there would be tears uh, and like happy embraces. It would be awkward AF, man. It would be so awkward. But some sharing of life stories. I I would imagine there would be yelling, there'd be brooding, there'd be like, well, if you were there, you would have known that this happened. Well, if someone had been there for Mm -hmm. this graduation, I feel like there'd be a lot of passive aggressive unhappiness. So there was no warm and fuzzy stuff in this meeting, just like you said. Sheena and Mikhail were checked into a hotel and Indrani sat them down to set the terms of her engagement with them. As if it were a contract. Oh, got it. She explained to the bewildered children about her hard-earned social status, her fame and wealth, all of which depended on the image of Indrani Mukherjee and not Indrani Bora, who left Guwahati in 1990. So if news of her past broke out, her reputation would be ruined. Mm. She put forth her condition to Sheena and Mikhail, that they would be introduced as Indrani's siblings in Mumbai society and not as her children. (laughs) If the two did not comply, she would not support them whatsoever. 
But if they played along with the farce, she would pay for their higher education. Left with nowhere to go and no one to turn to, Sheena and Mikhail reluctantly agreed to these terms. Mikhail was sent to study in Bengaluru, which is in the south of India, by himself. And Sheena was going to stay with Indrani in Mumbai. Now, this divisive move further weakened the bond between the two siblings and they all but stopped communicating with each other because Indrani would control their cell phone plans and numbers and never share it between the two of them. What? Oh my gosh. They were strong as a unit. They loved each other. They cared for each other. And when this is the classic divide and conquer strategy. Yes, manipulative. So Sheena completed her college education and was living with Indrani and Peter at their Marlowe home in Mumbai. She saw how much love and affection Indrani's third child, Vidhi, got from Indrani, while she herself had to beg for every little thing. She felt like a house guest and not a family member. Meanwhile, Peter's son from his previous marriage, Rahul Mukherjee, Mm -hmm. He lived in London, but he would come down to stay with Peter and his family in Mumbai for weeks at a time. Now, he shifted his base to Mumbai to try and build a life and career over there. He and Sheena soon became friends. They bonded over their mutual grievances with Indrani, um, who would push both of them to the fringe of the family, like at, at gatherings and stuff, so that she could be closest to Peter. And she would be able to control the narrative in all aspects. So she was truly like the evil stepmother, (laughs) for sure. Oh my gosh. And having that in common really helped Sheena and Rahul bond. Uh, Because they were both displaced by Indrani. In 2008, Sheena had a fight with Indrani. And she decided to leave the Marlowe apartment. But she had nowhere to go. Remember, this is Mumbai, maximum city. Expensive as hell. You can't just move out and have a place to stay. It is impossible Mm -hmm. to find affordable housing in Mumbai. So Rahul offered her a place to stay at his own apartment in Kar, which she gladly accepted. And soon the two young hearts were in love and bonding like they never had with anyone else. Aww. Yeah, Sheena found for the first time an unconditional advocate for her. Someone who believed in her, cared for her, and really wanted nothing else but her love and respect back in return. This coupling was a disaster in the carefully laid plans of the devious Indrani. What? Why? Yeah, so if Sheena were to marry Rahul, she would be eligible to inherit part of Peter's wealthy uh, property portfolio. Oh my god, what a narcissist! And it's not just property, but also ego. Because in her mind, she's like, how dare you claw into this whole property prospect that I have, you know, set up for myself. You have no claim to this. This is so upsetting. This was unacceptable to Indran. She had worked her way up to the upper echelons of society. And now Sheena would just waltz in and take it away from her. Indrani was not going to let this happen. She tried every trick in the book to break the couple up. She pitted father against son, sending fraudulent emails to Sheena's manager at work 
and almost getting her fired. She threatened to cut off Upendra Kumar and Durga Rani's financial support. That's her own parents, by the way. So she was like, if you don't stop seeing this guy, I'm going to cut off all financial support to your grandparents. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How callous can one be? Jerk face. Yeah. She's using her own parents as a weapon against her daughter, who cared about them so deeply. That's messed up. This sounds like a soap. This sounds like the bold and the beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah, this is straight up out of Days of Our Lives. This is some Marlena Stefano nonsense. Ugh, damn. Uh, the whole thing about her trying to get Sheena fired was again to weaken her so that she would depend on her financially and she could control her. That's what the whole point was. So she used money as like a control. Yeah, mechanism. control people. Yeah. Now let's segue for a little bit into the professional lives of Peter and Indrani. Uh, Peter retired as the CEO of Star TV back in 2007. Indrani wanted to be a media mogul as well, despite having no experience in the field, nor the business acumen or the finances. Her narcissism and desperate bid to be a billionaire was enough of a driving force to keep her going. Again, nothing really wrong with it, but you know, you really have to, you really have to have the right motivations. Now, this was a brave venture. If done right, it might have actually taken off, but it didn't. She used all of the goodwill Peter had built over the decades in the industry, and she managed to build a team of some of the best media crews and journalists and anchors for her new venture called INX Media. They would go on to launch a music channel on TV. Uh, it was called 9XM. And we used to actually listen to that all the time. They would play all kinds of cool <laughs> music all day. It was like MTV, kind of, but with Indian music. Yeah. And they also planned to launch a news channel. Now, if done right, could have been done well. But Indrani's brash, rude, and autocratic behavior at the workplace created a negative and hostile environment at INX Media. And soon it collapsed before it even had a chance to take off properly. The funding for INX Media had been done through various back channels. Mm. And Peter and Indrani had acquired foreign investment beyond what was legally allowed in India for the media sector. Yeah, that sounds shady. Yeah, so I don't know how it works in... Most other countries, but in India, foreign investment is tightly controlled because you don't want the monopoly of a foreign agent inside of India at all. So any company that wanted to start something in India had to have a local partner. Ah, There's a limit to how much foreign investment can be put into certain sensitive sectors like media. Because what if some other company now has a mm -hmm. media channel that they own in India? They can control and manipulate the news, which you don't want, which you do not want. Oh, yeah, they can control the message. Mm -hmm. Indrani and Peter bribed their way through various government officials and kept the company afloat for a few years before selling it and fading into the night with shame and nearly no charges. Interesting. The Department of Revenue... Um, they have an investigative branch called ED or Directorate of Enforcement, which has been looking into this financial mess since 2017. But we are yet to see any charges filed since it has deep political implications on people with power and influence. 
And so Mm -hmm. I doubt that we will ever see much action on this right now. Now, the amount of money we're talking about is not small change. So don't feel too sorry for them. They supposedly embezzled anywhere from 300 to 900 crore rupees from this whole debacle. And that is approximately a range from 40 to 100 million dollars. Good Lord. Yeah. And they allegedly funneled this money through shell companies and parked it in an account in Singapore in the name of Sheena Bora. What? They used her daughter's name? (gasps) So technically her daughter has all this money? Yes. Oh, snap. Did her daughter know? We're going to talk about that in the next section. So that is so suspicious, isn't it? Like That is so suspicious. Yeah. Like you want all this money, but you can't put it in your own name. You would want to put it in the name of someone you can control and manipulate and someone that Mm -hmm. would just sign papers without reading. And that's what you want. And so Shinabura. This was the beginning of the end. So what year are we in now? Because you jumped forward to 2017. So what year are we in? Um, 2017 is when the investigation on that fraud started, but we are now in 2011. Okay, so we're back in 2011. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Remember the skeletal remains were found in 2012. Okay. So Sheena was unwell for a while in 2011, and she was sent for treatment by Indrani to Delhi, where under Indrani's guidance, a doctor prescribed a ton of medicines for Sheena. In India, you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want with the right amount of power and money. You can have doctors write whatever prescriptions you want. Sometimes pharmacies will give you all kinds of drugs without prescriptions. I remember even like 15, 20 years ago, we could just go to a pharmacy and ask for whatever medicines we want. You don't need prescriptions. Only now I've noticed that they started asking for it. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you have good relations with them and you agree to pay them extra and stuff, they might still give you stuff like SSRIs and whatnot, antidepressants, whatever you want, you can get it. Narcotics, opioids. So her mom was like basically controlling the cocktail of meds she got. Absolutely. All right. Now, this didn't help Sheena feel any better, but she continued to take the pills on Indrani's instructions. Indrani then sent Sheena to Bengaluru on some excuse, okay, all the way to the south now, and arranged for an ex-boyfriend of Sheena's to come and meet her. Now, she was again trying to break this Rahul-Sheena bond. Where's Rahul during all this? Where's the son? Uh, Rahul is in Mumbai, and the son, Mikhail, is in Bengaluru. But again, okay. they're not able to get in touch with each other. No, no, no. I meant like I meant like her boyfriend, whereas like Peter's son and all of this. Like he was in. Yeah, her boyfriend is in Mumbai. Now, Indrani is very manipulative, by the way. So she would have made sure that she has a story ready for every concerned party regarding where Sheena Ooh. is and what she's doing and blah, blah, blah. Ugh. Everything that we're reading right now is hindsight. So to us, it seems like, right. why? What's going on? Why didn't they ask more questions? Why didn't they do blah, 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 so and so? But they didn't know the nature of her deviousness right and you would just trust her her. you would be like oh okay like why why wouldn't i trust her yeah what indrani was trying to do is get sheena to get back with her ex-boyfriend who was actually a very abusive person 
Sheena had broken away from this guy with much difficulty in the past. But Indrani called that guy up Ugh. and she's like, go get Sheena. She needs your help, blah, 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 whatever. The abusive boyfriend fought with Sheena and ended up breaking Ugh. a glass bottle on her leg when she refused his advances. Oh, my gosh. So that gives you an idea of what an asshole he was. That is awful. Now, somehow, Sheena was able to get in touch with Rahul and she told him about what's going on and he immediately flew to Bengaluru to meet her. He saw her taking the pills and asked what they were. It was a medicine called Oleans. Usually, this is used to treat serious mental health conditions. Sheena didn't require these kind of sedatives and antipsychotic drugs at all. It now made sense why she had been so groggy and unwell and out of it for the past few weeks, unable to help herself. Rahul had a different doctor treat Sheena, and he asked her to stop all these medications and simply take multivitamins. That's all she really needed. Rahul now understood the hollow heart of Indrani and that she was willing to go to such dangerous depths to break the couple up. He decided to take Sheena and move in with his mother, Shabnam, who lived in Dehradun, a city in North India. So Rahul's mom, uh, Peter's ex-wife, right. lived in North India. So he's like, to hell with all of this. Let's just go live with my yeah, mom. Yeah, get out of there. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's take a little break. And with Rahul and Shabnam, Sheena blossomed and she was back feeling healthy and happy with loving people by her side. The couple got engaged soon after. Aww. Yeah, and they were excited to share their future together. They planned to get married at the end of 2012. Together, they were stronger than ever. They had overcome the wicked witch's traps for now. Then, all of a sudden, a great job offer from the Reliance Group came into Sheena's inbox. Now, Reliance Group is a huge Fortune 500 conglomerate in India. Okay. And if you get a job offer from them, you're not going to just ignore that. Right. Now, the only downside of this job offer would be that Sheena would have to shift back to Mumbai and risk the wrath of Indrani all over again. Now, don't think this was a coincidence. Mm. This was planned. This was Indrani's doing. She had finagled her way to get this job for Sheena just to get her back to Mumbai. Now, Sheena was determined to make it on her own and build a career. So she accepted the job offer and soon the couple moved back to Mumbai. She was hardly in touch with Indrani and seemed to be doing well at Reliance. Then sometime in April of 2012, Indrani started to get back in touch with Sheena. She said that she wanted to help fund Sheena's higher education. She wanted Sheena to go do an MBA in London. And the two started a tenuous and careful volley of short messages on that subject. So again, now this is a trap, a kind of a, a carrot that she dangled in front of Sheena. She's like, hey, you know what? I think you should do an MBA. You got to go to London to the best schools and I'll pay for that. No problem. How can you say no to that? How can you say no to that? You can't. Indrani was being strange all of a sudden. She had interest in Sheena's future and wanted to help her. She even asked for them to go out to dinner, something they had never done before. Mm. 
With much hesitation and apprehension, Sheena agreed to have dinner with Indrani and discuss her MBA plans with her. I don't trust it. I know. I know this is a very uh, tenuous and unsatisfying ending, but I think this is where we will end today's episode and go over what happens after this dinner in our next week's episode. Or maybe the next what? two weeks episode. I think we're going to do one episode every couple of weeks, but we'll see how it goes. You know, life is busy, but I'm so sorry, Katie. I have to leave you hanging. Cliffhanger. I feel like you should have warned me. You're just like, ooh, here's all this stuff that happens. And then you're like, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Like, what? And see. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's yeah. one thing to leave the listeners with a cliffhanger. It's, it's just a whole nother thing to leave me with a cliffhanger. I'm so, I'm very upset about this. This is what I'm going to rage in my next meeting about. I I almost want to be so in that angry. meeting now. But yes, this is where we'll end today's episode and see yeah. everyone next week. Oh and join us again next week for the rest of the Sheena Bora murder story, guys. And until then, goodbye. Namaste. Bye. Bye.